Hello and welcome to another episode of Got The Boot, the podcast where we analyse the failings of the people mad enough to take charge of a football team and run the risk of ending up on the managerial scrap heap. This time we're doing something a little bit different. Usually I tell you the story of one boss or one team's disaster. We have a bit of a laugh or cry, depending on if you support the club I'm talking about. Today though, we're going to hear a bit more about what the fans think about football managers. I have a panel of guests joining me on today, all on video chats, all social distancing. First off, we have Mitch Rushton, who's a broadcaster and supports Birmingham City. You're right, Mitch. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And joining him is Richard Thomas, who's also a broadcaster. And it's a good thing he's far away from Mitch, actually, because he supports Aston Villa. Hi, Rich. I do, yes. Thanks for having me, Matt. Cheers. Appreciate it. It's, it's social distancing works for you, doesn't it? To be as far away from Mitch as possible, because there could be like a big fight that could break out, couldn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty convenient. Fantastic. And the final guest on the panel is Ryan Dilks, a Derby fan and co-host of the Second Tier podcast, which is the go-to place for everything to know about the championship. Ryan, I've always wondered, because you're a Derby fan and your podcast is the Second Tier, if Derby ever get promoted to the Premier League, does the name change? Does it become the First Tier? And if Derby ever get relegated, does it become the Third Tier? Luckily, Matt, I don't think there's ever any chance of us getting promoted anytime soon, so... I think in terms if 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 we got relegated, we might have to turn our attention somewhere, but I, I can't see it happening. We just love the championship that much. Long may that continue. So before we get started, a quick reminder, you can get in touch and let us know how you feel about the bosses you love and hate. You can drop us an email, gottheboopodcast at gmail.com, or we're got the boot pod on Twitter and Instagram. So let's get into it. And guys, I've always wondered when a new manager gets appointed, whether Fans get a sort of like feeling when you see that big announcement drop on social media or the statement comes out from a club and it says XYZ is the new manager of Derby, Birmingham, Aston Villa. I'd say yes. Um, I'm not sure those instincts are usually correct, but there have been a few cases in the past where Derby, for example, have um, appointed a manager and I've instantly thought this is a bad, bad appointment and then it's usually turned out to be bad. But then there have been other managers, for example, who I thought, yes, this is a good appointment and then it's not worked out. But it, it, it all depends really on the kind of the buzz around the club. For example, when Frank Lampard got appointed at Derby, it led to a real buzz around the club and everyone thought, right, Let's see how we can progress from here. And then I don't want to give any spoilers away, but when there's a divisive kind of manager who splits the fan base, then they don't usually tend to end as well. I think also it depends on, like me, I, I always look at the favourites. So as soon as the manager gets sacked, I'm straight on for any website, not even to gamble, but just to see. Because you usually you figure that they're in the know and you figure that, the list of favourites is usually pretty bang on. And I think if there's someone that's a clear favourite and you get quite excited by that choice and you're like, yes, I would love that person to be manager of my club. And then it ends up with the second favourite or in the case of Blues, <laughs> replacing Gary Monk with this. <laughs> I think you broke up there slightly whilst uh, you were about to say the name of Pep Clotet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, the, that was the classic example. It just obviously, it's happened many times of course, you know, assistants replacing managers. But yeah, that, that was a bit from nowhere. And I don't think he was that high up on the list of favourites. And we were expecting a, a standard appointment to replace Gary Monk. Um, and then, yeah, we got we got Pep, but fair play. <laughs> Lovely. Rich, what do you think? I always think the preceding manager is always, 
you know, the manager that came before is always so important as well. I mean, I think I remember Gerard Houllier coming at the Villa after the Martin O'Neill years. And obviously, you know, there was a bit of, you know, excitement, but also a bit of nerves. And I don't think, I don't think you got a fair rap, to be fair, Gerard Houllier. I mean, you're probably, you know, a Gerard Houllier fan yourself. Um, but coming off the back of Martin O'Neill and all those good times, I don't think he got a fair shake of it. But I think generally, you know, I mean, the past decade, we've seen about eight managers at the Villa now over 10 years. Um, so I think generally, you know, everyone, everyone's different, but you do get that positive buzz. But there are some managers that are just, you know, forget dividing the, the fan base. The fan base just instantly just take a dislike. I, I suppose there's perspective as well. When you look at Gerard Houllier, um, he finished ninth in this season with Aston Villa, didn't he? Aston Villa would kill for ninth place now, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we sign? Do you gauge social media as well? Mitch, you spoke about looking at bookies' odds, but do you like look on social media and think, see who's asking for whom, whether you think that's a good idea, whether you think that's an absolutely terrible idea? Yeah, it's classic. That's 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 2020, isn't it now? You know, you head any tweet, whether it's about a manager or whatever, you head straight to the replies and any Facebook post, even though you should never read the comments, you know, you head straight to the comments. And Blues fans, as I'm sure for most clubs, will just be the classic announce xyz and you know the, well the period where we've not had a manager or that period where you're kind of in limbo the club will put out tweets about you know the youth team have just won or you know a, a lady player's just on a new contract and you guarantee every single tweet below it will be announced it was redknapp at the time and then they did announce him but yeah i think you head you head straight to the comments don't you and i think there's so much of that you get a gauge from the fans straight away of, of who they want and who their favorite is I feel like you definitely find more level-headed fans on Twitter than you do Facebook. Facebook is just an absolute cesspit <laughs> for just opinions. So if we move on to more topics that more suit got the boot, we look at mainly, you know, the disasters that happen at football clubs. And usually the disasters happen to some of the most terrible managers that have ever graced a game. So I want to know who you think is the worst manager to have ever taken charge at your football club. I'll start with Richard. Who's the worst manager to have ever taken charge of Aston Villa whilst you've been a fan? Well, this is easy, I think. I mean, so I've been following Villa for like 29 years now and kind of in the early years, it was Gregory and David O'Leary, um, but I was kind of too young to, to know exactly what was going on. Um, but then we had sort of Mine O'Neill, which was really the pinnacle of where Aston Villa have been since I've been following them. And then to come off the back of that and take Alex McLeish. Uh, the season after he gets our rival relegated from the Premier League, he's just, yeah, it was the worst. The, it, like I said, it didn't just, it didn't split the fan base. The fan base were against it 100% from day one. The fans were threatening riots, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they were. There was protests outside the training ground, graffiti. For the time at the club, you get that sense that it was kind of desperate. He was trying to do things on a shoestring budget and boring Scottish man playing boring Scottish football, really. <laughs> Just really defensive. I honestly think Blues fans knew it would be a terrible appointment as well. Like, obviously, you, you have massively anti-Villa Blues fans, but as someone that's not, you, you could tell objectively it was never going to work out. It was just, regardless of even this, the crossing the city thing, he just wasn't that good and he just wasn't suited for a club like Villa. No, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's like that's the thing. It's not like he came off the 
back of a good season with Blues and we kind of pinched him across the city. It was just, he was a terrible, terrible manager. Yeah. I do like that idea. You reminded me there, you know, Birmingham got relegated under McLeish and Villa think, well, what a great idea. Let's go and take a manager who's just been relegated. He could lead us to like past glories. It, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? Like I know it, it's, it's all subjective and sometimes, you know, good managers get relegated. In that situation, you just think, Alex McLeish, we do him a disservice. He's obviously, you know, half decent to get jobs in like Premier League Championship level, manage Scotland, of course. But in just that sense, it just never seemed it would work. I think it made sense that they appointed him because he'd, he'd won us the League Cup as well. And he was Scotland manager and he did do really well at Rangers. His football was rubbish. Um, and he wasn't great and he did get us relegated. But I kind of see why they, they did it to be fair to him but yeah like you said you just know don't you that it's not quite going to work out speaking of uh, Birmingham City Mitch I'm sure this is a this is another difficult choice as well there's been a number of uh, Blues managers over the years a lot hit and miss who's your worst Birmingham City manager Steve Cottrell one sentence there we go any explanation anyone listening to this who's, who, if they're a fan of a club that Steve Cottrell's managed then they won't need the explanation I don't think um, but obviously he came in with Harry Redknapp as coach and Harry Redknapp had replaced Zola who's in my lifetime a, a real candidate Zola would have been for this and probably a lot of Blues fans would say actually Zola is the worst we've had um, but Redknapp and Cottrell replaced him and galvanised the team as they tend to do kept us up obviously you know late in the season it was amazing uh, and it all went to pieces with Redknapp and the board decided that it would be a good idea to keep Redknapp's coach who had done a good job um, and it, it was just it was a disaster it was just a, a complete disaster his whole kind of mentality towards it his attitude towards it you know that that manager's attitude of kind of everything's going against us it's poor old Birmingham this isn't right this isn't right it, I think it just wore us down I think it was a probably four or five months and we were, we were bad and we, we really did look in danger of going down again and it was just it was absolutely joyless under him it was horrible and of course you're the season ticket holder for St Andrews was there like any particular point in that four or five months the Cottrell was in charge where you thought hang on this is going really badly wrong I think there was a spell just before he went and I think we'd lost four in a row and I think I can't remember who it was against but the second consecutive loss we had I think that was it where the fans just went like enough is enough. You know, th th there's always that realisation of fans of any club, isn't there? Where you're like, okay, we're in trouble here. We could get relegated. And, and that was definitely the case with Cottrell was it was just like a switch because people had given him so much support for helping keep us up. And that counted for a lot. But ultimately you keep losing games. I think it was four in a row we lost and he had to go. The, the fans were, were dead against it in the end as well. Was it like a flick of a switch? Obviously results weren't good. And then suddenly that run went and just immediately the majority of fans just switched. He never got that new manager bounce as such because it obviously it, it went badly from the start of the season and the red nap. We signed about 15 players, you know, most of them from Brentford and it just didn't work. And Redknapp went and to replace him with his coach, there wasn't that lift that you sometimes get. So to be honest, it seemed like he was on a hide into nothing from the start with Cottrell. Well, there we go. Worst Birmingham City manager, Steve Cottrell. Certificate that he should put up on his on, on his wall. <laughs> Ryan, what about the worst Derby County manager in your view? Even though we've had some um, embarrassing, you know, slip-ups at towards the end of seasons, we haven't really had too many terrible managers. Um, but then that's because I completely forgot about Nigel Pearson. So 
he wasn't in charge for that long. See, he, he only ended up having eight games, but I'll get onto that in a sec. But when he was first appointed, he, he definitely divided the fan base because people looked at his spell at Leicester for oh, this is a man who clearly can work wonders because he managed to keep Leicester up in the end. But then other people were looking at it and saying, hang on a minute, this guy spent all this money and Leicester only stayed up by the skin of their teeth. So very divisive. But anyway, the season started and on the first game, we saw some of the most boring, long ball-esque football I have ever seen in my life. See, Gary Vowett was in charge of Derby for over a season and he played long ball, but Nigel Pearson took it to another level. He would just hoof the ball, not him himself, but he'd get the players... <laughs> now, that would be different, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he would get the players to just hoof the ball over the opposition defence, lose the ball straight away, nine out of 10 times, actually more like 49 out of 50 times, it would just go straight through to either a defender or the goalkeeper. Just wouldn't go anywhere. And it would just be repeat and repeat and see if anything works. To put it into context, he won one game in his first eight. And then things started to go a bit downhill with the fan support. And then one day he got suspended, not sacked, suspended from his job. And everyone was wondering what was going on. There was a lot of speculation. Um, it's still not really been confirmed what happened. But one report that did come out was that he had had a disagreement with the chairman, Mel Morris. And at the time, Mel Morris was apparently using a drone to watch over training sessions. Um, and Pearson... <laughs> didn't take that too kindly and they seemed to have some sort of disagreement he was sacked soon afterwards and then we got in Steve McLaren who started off well and then he didn't do very well either it was a disastrous season and it was all started by appointing Nigel Pearson in the first place Ryan sorry to interrupt when was this because I I I don't remember it him being Derby manager at all like if he was asking to name Derby managers I couldn't have named him 2016, he's so forgettable because he was only there for so long. But now, as I say, it was divisive at the start of when he was appointed. Now it's just an all out. That was a terrible, terrible decision. <laughs> I think the last person that I would want to even risk trying to spy on would be Nigel Pearson. Just imagine like the fury. So that's all of you guys, three worst managers. Let's see the positive side of things now. Let's have a look at some of the best managers that have taken charge of your clubs. Let's go back down the line. We'll go with Ryan first off this time. The best Derby County manager. Surely there must be a few candidates. Well, yeah, I mean, let's split it up into two bits because Derby, before I was born, did were actually quite good. And instant answer to the best manager ever is, Ni uh, I was going to say Nigel Clough, Brian Clough, <laughs> his dad, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Brian Clough won the league uh, with Derby after taking us from the second division to the first division against a very good Leeds team at the time. Um, so he, he's the obvious answer. But if we're talking about in my lifetime, then it'll probably be Billy Davis. And he's not a very popular manager amongst Derby supporters because of um, how things went when we eventually got promoted and he eventually moved to Forest as well. 
But during that one season that he was in charge in the championship with us, he managed to get us promoted despite us finishing 20th, I think it was, the season before. He took a pretty average squad, took us straight to the Premier League. We were quite unfashionable, beat some big teams along the way as well and eventually went up via the playoffs and was probably the best season Derby fans have had in quite some time. Um, Apart from that, Another candidate, I suppose, would be Steve McLaren. He managed to get us to the playoff final um, and played some beautiful football along the way. I tell you what, I don't think Derby fans have seen that nice of football in a long time. Um, But the argument against him was he was a bit tactically naive because if things weren't working, it seemed like he didn't really know what to do. And he's always had that kind of stigma around him that he was a good assistant manager, but never really a very good manager, as we saw with England. I think the case with Steve McLaren as well is one that managers, I think, can probably relate to. There's so many fine margins. If it hadn't been for that freak game in the playoff final where Derby somehow lost to QPR, Steve McLaren gets you promoted to the championship, and then he's probably your answer, potentially, to be the best manager. There's so many fine margins, especially at championship level. Oh, yeah, he definitely would be, because we haven't got many candidates, really, for best manager in recent years. Uh, But McLaren... He's very fondly thought of at Derby, even though things did turn out quite badly in the end. But if he managed to get us promoted, then there'd be no contest about who our best manager has been in the last 30 years or so. Richard, what about Aston Villa? Who's the best person to grace the touchline at Villa Park? Uh, Again, this is an easy one. Um, Martin O'Neill, without a doubt. Um, I mean, it came that, that came at such a time where Villa had been kind of middle of the Premier League. And then all of a sudden you start, it was around 2006, you started to hear sort of rumours and reports of uh, this billionaire American owner coming in to buy the club, uh, Randy Lerner, which he eventually did. He took it off the hands of Doug Ellis and a huge injection of cash and a you know, massive owner coming in and buying the club. And there was a real sense of hope. And then the appointment of Martin O'Neill in 2006 was just huge because, you know, you'd seen what he'd done with Leicester. You know, obviously, I mean, Scottish Premier League, with Celtic and what he'd done up there. And all of a sudden there was, I mean, we spoke at the start about buzz around new managers and there really was a buzz and the sense of hope and optimism. I mean, you'd seen what happened with Chelsea and you start to think, well, you know, why can't we break into the top four? And he was really, 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 really good. Martin O'Neill, he brought that sort of attacking football and, you know, the big man up front with Carew and eventually Heskey. And then speed on the wings with Gabby Ekbon Lahore and Ashley Young. And that was the same time that I got a season ticket as well uh, with my dad and my brother. It was just before 2005 to 2010. Him and his, you know, Villa tracksuit bounding up and down the touchline, bouncing around. He's just a really, really good manager, really engaged. The closest we got was the 08-09 season, where sort of around Christmas time we were ahead of Chelsea and Arsenal. You could never just quite take it. We went to the... FA Cup final against Man United as well and just lost 2-1. Um, so, yeah, there was always a sense of, you know, really good football and optimism and hope at Villa around that time. And we were getting records, attendances at games, but just could never get us over the top. And then, obviously, our um, our sort of owner going through a bit of a messy divorce and all the sort of financial implications that come with that. All of a sudden, the money dried up. And then, yeah, from there on, it kind of went downhill. He was the perfect fit for Villa but you just feel that he just never had that last extra step. 
which to be fair hasn't really had with any club really bar say Leicester and Celtic where he actually got success earlier on in his career I remember that 08-09 season you actually got Newcastle relegated on the final day and that secured sixth place one big club going places it seemed and one club going the other way but it just it always seemed to balance itself out in the end a hundred percent I mean that's the thing it never felt we were, you know, around that top four spot and always pushing for Champions League, but it never felt permanent. There was never a time where I thought, right, OK, we're one of the big clubs in the Premier League now. We always always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then, you know, you heard grumblings and Martin O'Neill wasn't getting the money that he needed. Um, and then, yeah, he left and I was absolutely, you know, absolutely devastated. Let's go to Mitch. Now, we spoke about Alex McLeish earlier and obviously in the past... 10, 15 years, he's actually the only manager who's won the trophy for Birmingham City. But I sense he might not be your best manager, but who knows, he might be. I think it's, it's like Ryan said for Derby, it's a really interesting question that like 50 Blues fans and probably get a few a few different answers and people would be really firm with who they were backing for this because you're absolutely right. McLeish won us a trophy and he, he lifted us to the highest we've ever been in the Premier League. I think we finished eighth and then ninth consecutively absolute best days of you know for me the last 25 years or however long um the best days we've had as a club so you're right McLeish could um be up there but ultimately he, he got us relegated and went to Villa that eliminate that disqualifies him going to Villa alone <laughs> yeah and then but also you know you could you could say the same for Steve Bruce like he got us you know into the top flight for the first time in like in 16 years it felt like a lifetime and he, he did do an amazing job but at, at the same time he did lose an awful lot of games and he, he did get us relegated and you kind of go, well, he was there so long, his career there was kind of tarnished a little bit in the end and then also he ended up at Villa. So. What is this with <laughs> Birmingham City managers thinking, actually, let's just go over the road? Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, luckily, the one that didn't and the one that I've gone for is Chris Hewton. He was only with us, he was only with us for a season, but I stand by, I think, pretty much every time we've, we've lost or sacked a manager since he left, he's always been my number one choice to get back because I, I don't think he's done a bad job anywhere really since he left us. We'd just come down like financially, it was carnage. We were selling players left, right and centre. We were leaking money, but actually appointing him was so sensible because he was really in demand, I think, at the time and rightly so. Um, and obviously he took us into Europe as well. Jasper Carrot said the only way Birmingham are getting into Europe is if there's another war. But obviously McLeish had gone, so so Hewton led us into Europe and was really unlucky like not to get through the group stages of the Europa League. It was incredible for a club like Blues. Like it's just an absolutely unreal time, you know, playing in Portugal and just it, yeah, it, it was just amazing and really really good memories. And then obviously to to get unlucky not to go up as well, you know, to get into the playoffs and, and lose. You always just wonder with managers like that, you just think what would have happened had we gone up? The football might not have been great, but if everything else is right, if the fans are behind you, the players are behind you, you can sort of forgive it if there is the success that comes with it. And obviously he didn't achieve the ultimate goals of getting you back into the Premier League, but the whole season you could believe in the project. Yeah, definitely. And also what he did as well, juggling the championship with the Europa League, You'd struggle to think of other examples of that, really, but you've seen what it does to, to Premier League clubs with, with bigger squads and larger budgets. You know, to do that and to still get us to the playoffs, genuinely, I think, he a really, really good manager. You mentioned Steve Bruce. Anyone want to have a guess at how many clubs he's managed in his career? You're talking double figures, I think. Yeah, definitely. There's your clue. It's double figures. Is it? Oh, I'd have said like eight or nine. I'd have said it wasn't quite that many. I'd have about 13. I'll go 14. 
No, I'm saying 10. I'm going low. Mitch is the closest. Um, it's actually 11. So Sheffield United, Huddersfield, Wigan, Crystal Palace briefly, then the six years at Birmingham City, two years at Wigan, two years at Sunderland, four years at Hull, two at Villa, a little bit of time at Sheffield Wednesday, then he annoyed them and went off to Newcastle, where he stays to this day. Imagine, though, all the situations he's been in at those clubs. Relegation battles, relegation. He must be knackered. Like, <laughs> with some terrible owners and some terrible clubs there. Like, even his time at Blue probably be enough for most managers to go, that's it, I'm... <laughs> and the thing about that is, he was at Blues for six years. Like, that's the longest he spent at any club. Yeah, he was. He's legendary. Like, honestly, you won't find many Blues fans with a bad word to say about him. Again, the, the football wasn't great at times, but he gave us some amazing memories. Every club's got a manager like that, and they're a bit of a cult figure. Let's move on and let's quickly go round the panel and see which manager you guys love to hate. This doesn't have to be a manager that's taken charge of your club. This can be anywhere in the world, a manager that you love to hate. Who'd like to start? There aren't any too too many managers who I really love to hate, but I suppose Nigel Pearson will probably be a candidate just because he isn't the most fondly thought of for his exploits in past press conferences, let alone talking about journalists being ostriches. There was that, I don't know if you guys remember that big yeah. showdown he had with, I think it was Pat Nevin off the top of my head. Pat Murphy. Pat Murphy, where Pat Murphy was accusing him of bullying and Nigel Pearson just sat there. I don't want to say sulking, but it did kind of match something of a child just sat there saying, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that had ever happened, but the minute Ryan did that impression, and was scarily, it was quite chilling. It was that realistic. <laughs> I listened to that live on the radio at the time. I don't know, I think Five Live must have just taken it live and it, it was just incredible. I've never heard anything like <laughs> Are you an ostrich? Are you an ostrich? I think for me, I mean, straight, I mean, Alex Ferguson, just the amount of results he robbed away, like in the last minutes. And, you know, he was a special manager and the way he sort of galvanised the squads. You did get the sense that he put certain pressures on referee that made them buckle at certain times. I don't know. My immediate thought to this was Neil Warnock straight away. But I actually love to hate him so much. I've ended up kind of loving him because he's, he's box office. I've had to go with Gary Monk now because there is nothing worse than loving someone that much as all the Blues fans did with Monk and then just seeing him go elsewhere and then turning it round in the way he did in that press conference. Um, obviously against Pep, our current manager who replaced him was just something else. Um, and the reaction he got when he came back to St Andrews with Sheffield Wednesday was, was justified because what he did, regardless of whether you like Pep Clotet or not, I think genuinely what he did in that press conference was, was really, really poor. You mentioned Neil Warnock, one of my favourite clips on social media. I think I might have seen it from Ryan first off when you shared. It was uh, Neil Warnock being compared with Pep Guardiola, where it's like proper old school, gets stuck into them, Neil Warnock, versus the nice, serene tiki-taka of Pep Guardiola that's won multiple titles, Champions Leagues, while Neil Warnock's won a couple of promotions. But hey, what works for people works for people. So let's go on to our final topic. Now, I know all three of you are big fans of a certain football game. Of course, I'm talking about football 
football manager, see plenty of stories, people wearing suits for virtual cup finals, getting non-league teams into the Champions League after four seasons. So I want to hear your best achievements on football manager. Probably my induction into football manager was with uh, Yeovil. Oh, what, a, what a great shout. It's <laughs> a great team. They've played like non-league, League One, League Two. That's one. That's a club that's been places and been in the doldrums as well. That's it, exactly, yeah. And... I mean, I don't want to brag or anything, but, you know, Premier League within two, three seasons, FA Cup win under the belt. You can't really go wrong with that. Did you get any particular, like, you know, star players? We got, oh, who did we pick up? I think we picked, this is a while ago, I think we picked up Shevchenko from Chelsea. Andre Shevchenko (laughs) played for Yeovil Town. He did, yeah. Uh, It was a big move for the lads, obviously coming from London to the small... A uh, little Cornish uh, village, but yeah, no, um, managed to pull him away. Obviously, star power of the manager did the trick in the end. I was going to say, Andre Shevchenko's time at Chelsea was no good anyway, so he probably could have done a lot better at Yeovil anyway. Ryan, what about you? Well, before it was my time with Crew Alexandra when we uh, went from League Two to the Champions League final. We didn't actually win the Champions League, we won the Premier League numerous times as well, but actually, my Best game is probably the game I'm, I'm on at the moment because lockdown has given me plenty of time to crack on with uh, my Leamington career. And we're currently in the Premier League. We've been we're struggling at the moment to really solidify our place in the top tier, but we're getting there. I've managed to, you know, build up a squad of fairly young players and we've got a lot of potential. I think we'll be in Europe in a few years time. So what's this space? Fantastic. We'll have to do this again and we'll find out where Leamington are. And what about Mitch? I wish you'd come to me first because it's, it's a huge anticlimax because I'm I'm rubbish at Football Manager. I've played it since, I don't even know, like 2006. I'm a little bit more Mourinho than Guardiola, so I require quite a lot of budget. Of whatever league I'm in, I, I require the biggest budget in the league to even have a go at success. Um but the team that I, the, the save that I have fondest memories on was Liverpool in I think 2010 or 2011, because at that time and Matt, you will know this better than anyone. I, I, Liverpool were coming off the back of a fairly like poor time, and I, I like this football manager thing of like a sleeping giant and all of that. And I I took over at Liverpool, swept in uh, huge transfer budget, signed whoever you like. We were successful, and just like Mourinho, the end always justifies the means. I love that. We've gone from pure non-league obscurity in Ryan. We've got yo-yoing between Football League and non-league Rich. And then Mitch has just gone full in with Premier League club, Sleeping Giant. I admire people that can do it. I was I saw an interview with um, Yotta the other day, the, the Wolves forward, saying he'd got like Telford into the Champions League and he was, you know, World Cup manager and all this. I'm just thinking, I haven't got the patience. Just to set it up to start with, it's, it's oh no, I can't do it. So that brings us to the end of the panel. Thanks again, guys, for coming on. Uh, Does anyone want to shout out where people can find each other on Instagram at all or Twitter or any of the social medias? Take your pick. Make sure you all follow Second Tier Pod on Twitter. Well, back that because Ryan cruelly had that account taken away from him. And I think it's it's a scandal because it is genuinely a good follow on Twitter and Instagram. So I'll back that. Yeah, 100%. Guys, thanks a lot for coming on. No problem. Uh, Thanks, Matt.
And that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening as always. Make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and go and follow us on Twitter and Instagram too. We've got the boot pod. And if you have any suggestions for which manager we should be profiling next, drop us an email, gottheboopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again and see you soon. Thank you.